Hello and welcome to the 123rd FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday, 22nd March. I'm Opani, you can call me Mo, and this podcast is here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. Uh, you can always stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by simply signing up for our app FIS Live. You can also go and follow our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. We always will appreciate your feedback and ideas. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, please leave a comment on our post or email us at news at freightinvestor.com. You are also uh, welcome to feature as a guest or perhaps recommend one. Now, FIS uh, have been and we're at the forefront of the Singapore Exchange Container Futures launch in February 2023, which is last month. Today, we discuss the launch of the four contracts and the outlook for the container market in 2023. So first up, we've got our head of container and air freight at FIS, Peter Stallion, here with us to speak on the latest events in the container market and recent news. How are you doing, Peter? Yeah, good, Mo. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, so I'm just going to get straight to it. Last week, uh, you were at the SGX uh, Group's Container Risk Management Seminar. Could you tell us a bit more about what you were doing there and what you were speaking about? Sure. Um, So we were invited by the SGX um, to turn up to their risk management seminar, as you were saying, in their their very, very nice building in Singapore. We essentially going there to try and um, develop the conversation around risk management and containers, amongst other things, right? So... Big shift towards index linking, index contracts, spot contracts, all sorts of things going on after the past two and a half, three years of absolute madness in the container market. So we turned up there. We had everything sort of uh, set up, plenty of clients we can see in Singapore, which is really, really exciting. Um, Expecting, you know, an okay turnout because it all was arranged at very, very last minute. You had about two weeks worth of run up um, to this event. The SGX is an auditorium about 150 seats. I don't know if anyone else is reading or reading, listening, uh, has been to the SGX um, building. Uh, we filled about 140 seats, which is absolutely fantastic. Really, really fantastic turnout across, you know, ocean liners, freight forwarders, traders, even some iron ore traders went there as well. Uh, a bunch of the banks in Singapore, um, all quite keen to, to learn about this and then hopefully convert that into trading volume as we push through the year because it's it's been uh it's been a challenge to say the least but a challenge we're hopefully succeeding at in getting this market going so that's kind of why we were there just spreading the message and it seems like the asian market certainly are really excited about this contract through the sgx so good uh good basis for us to to continue working in asia really so yeah running from there and uh, i know you covered a specific session uh, are you able to go into a bit of just an overview of what you spoke about? Well, it was, it was uh, if anyone's spoken to me directly, it was pretty much um, a, a rundown of how futures work, but also their benefits, the prior market experience, why people would turn into futures and indexes generally. Uh, a bit of a whistle-stop tour, really, of a few examples, because I had probably 10 minutes. We were already overrunning when I, when I actually took the stage by a good 20 because there was so much to talk about. And really trying to draw people to come and speak to us directly about specific scenarios, because a lot of the times we're speaking to clients, they will come up with lots of weird and wonderful requests uh, for how they want to procure their capacity this year. 
and it's kind of an easy fix for us when we talk about the futures it's just getting that you know speaking to people and getting that that light bulb to go off in their heads right they say well oh i didn't realize you could do that with the futures contracts oh this makes a lot more sense okay let's do this and that's kind of the stage right now uh, including you know going after some of the big ocean liners that have made lots of money over the past two three years now see the writing on the wall with the market completely collapse over the past six to nine months all of a sudden getting a lot of um, good reception from them as well so um so yeah, that's what we were speaking about. It's very, very, very top level. The goal is to get people to come and speak to us directly and get uh, a real sense of how they how they utilize this market. I see. And speaking of future contracts, as you mentioned there, last month we announced that SGX is listing uh, four container freight futures contracts. Now, we highlighted that we were key backer. Could you uh, just clarify a bit for our listeners what that means? Uh, sure. I mean, we... We essentially came up with and developed the original OTC contracts, right, against the Freitas Baltic Index, Container Index, which is what the SGX futures settle against. Uh, so we started trading that way back in 2021, sort of top of, top of I guess, the, the container market, bull market of the past three years. We were also the first to trade the, um, the CME listed futures last year. I traded a few of those. So it was a Cal 23 originally, which is quite a sizable contract for a first trade. And obviously that leads through to the SGX. We're the main or the only broker really promoting these contracts. And that puts us in a really key position where we know who all the counterparties are. And by and large, this is one of these markets where we have to develop everything from scratch in terms of teaching people how to actually hedge via futures also teaching them how they they do the physical bit of that transaction and then you know we 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 secured quite a bit of trust in the market and that puts us in a good position to 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 get behind any sort of exchange listing and um, that's what happens with the SGX if we weren't around i don't think the SGX would list they certainly wouldn't be seeing any numbers on their exchange there would be no bids or offers they all come through us nothing's done on screen at all and that that's that's what we mean by backing the contract, right? We're the, the key facilitator of the transactions and it all comes through us, which is, I guess, the, the fruits of the labours of the past two years worth of getting down to the nitty gritty with many, many physical counterparties that are very, very or completely new to any form of futures contract, not just freight futures, but also, you know, FX, um, commodities, everything is all really really new to this market but everyone's very very excited about it still even after the market's come off and i guess that's been the shift over the past three years is people have or companies have taken another look about how they do their physical and container procurement and it's it's drawing up this conversation so we've had some interesting people that we were surprised to see come come to us and say we want to learn more about this this market as a result of this launch with the SGX. Interesting. And you mentioned there the last three years, and previously you also mentioned about the madness in the previous years. Do you have any view on how last year went? Uh, I mean, with last year, a couple of our counterparties that were selling the market last year on the CME saw the writing on the wall in terms of you know what would happen with the rates, and container rates tend to tend to go up and down violently hence the the draw for for futures right the original outlook from 
for many people, very, very publicly, was, oh, it will be a, a soft landing, nothing bad will happen, uh, market may normalise by 2024. What happened instead is market fell through the floor, you know, 95% drop wow. um, over maybe four and a half, five months. So we're we're seeing the impacts from that now. And I guess that leads into 2023, right? Yeah. yeah. So leading into 2023, what we, so we've got new contracts that we're backing and you've verbally uh, proved that. So what do you think of 2023? Uh, it's exciting in terms of futures because we're seeing this big shift towards uh, futures, spot, spot contracts, index contracts that supports the basis for futures contracts. That's pretty much the bread and butter of how this stuff gets gets moving. Some of that, as I said before, some of the surprising names in the market coming to us and getting really, really interested in futures hedging. As some people may know, there was an attempt in 2010 that saw these kind of counterparties really, you know, not really supportive of these sorts of things. Completely different now, which is really, really exciting. I guess more a question of how we and make that or turn that into firm interest, which is always the challenge because you're dealing with a market that has no futures infrastructure whatsoever. And I think in terms of the market itself, you're, there's a genuine lack of consensus, right, which is kind of what we need to, to, to prove the point with futures. Markets are, are near 2019, 2018 low levels, so, so pretty depressed. Uh, there may be room for that market to go down, right, with ship ordering coming through. For 2023 and 2024, those deliveries are starting to happen. Uh, There may even be a ball case, right? Uh, We were hearing this morning uh, that Chinese imports have have gone up slightly, uh, maybe due to the Russia-China import corridor, right? Mm -hmm. So take it with a pinch of salt. Um, But that might also be, you know, a trigger. Maybe the market is starting starting to rise again. Who knows? Really, really far out, you've started to get this conversation about decarbonization, about green fuels. The cost of green fuels, we heard from um, the CEO of One Nine, that could be anything from $1,000 to $2,000 per container, maybe on the top end of the estimate, right? But it gives you an idea of how much money the the industry is going to have to spend, and that's probably going to be borne by the the customer, by the end user, as it always is in the container line market, right? Uh, bunker adjustment factor, maybe see an emissions surcharge coming up with the EU ETS, so that's potentially bullish for 2024. Who knows, right? That's that's really, really the point with this whole thing. And that lack of consensus drives a bit of interest or quite a bit of interest, um, you know, quite a lot of interest in the futures. It's just nailing that down and making sure people know this is how you do it. This is, this is what's available. This is how you get access. Come to us for more, right? And so what would be the best way to reach out to you uh, for those interested? Email, phone number. Carrier pigeon, anything really. Icon available on Bloomberg, available on IceChat. If you're in the industry, you know what that is. Available on WeChat as well. Um, hence the trip to Asia might be the best way to contact. Uh, my email is peters at freightinvestors.com. Best way to, to contact a guest through the podcast is through there. Uh, and then we and then we go from there. Really, it's it's more a, it's more a question of what do you need, how do we deliver it, how is your how is your access to futures at the moment, how can we develop that. Because we know it can be a, a cumbersome process, right? So we're here to make that as simple as possible. Roger that. Thank you so much, Peter. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. Now, next up, we have How. Let's get an update on the Ferris Complex. Hey, How. Hi, Mo. Following the questions from last week, do you view this bank risk outspread 
as the primary downside for current major commodity prices? We have to admit that the contagion effect had impacted all banks with high debts or low reserves. However, the crash was more likely a pre-economic crisis since uh, the current residential loans and household leverage ratio in U.S. or house buying structured debts were low in uh, compared with the previous three to four years. Then government interfered in a very early stage compared with 2008, which aims to split the risks from those banks and normal banks with healthy financial structure. The cash or equivalent withdrawals were now believed as a sentiment panic, which has a long distance to real economic crisis, because the real economy is sound compared to 2008. From sentiment to financial market is an early stage and controllable. However, we do believe that、uh, the commodity complex would. Thus, narrow in of both volatility and potentially see less volume as well compared to last year,、um, because risk appetite has shifted from derivatives, equities, that's even fixed income to hedging assets and the and the cash. As you predicted in the last few weeks, China、uh, departments. Uh, started more investigations and discussions in Ainoro's、uh, fair pricing, which finally cooled down the overheat. Do you think、uh, there will be more restrictions or any fundamental change on this market? First of all, I think、uh, the Chinese government or pricing departments、um, likely to take more measures to boost supply and reserves of Ainoro. So they could have more pricing power over the imports process and signing long-term contracts instead of just focusing on the price range per se. However,、uh, since steel mills in China size down 200 yuan on the finished products, and the long steels decrease、um, on the spot market. Which means physical margin could go back to zero to one hundred yuan low area if nothing changes on the raw materials. Again, we emphasize that iron ore rebounded for five months already. The biggest spike in 2021 lasted for five months and a half roughly. In both year, we witnessed almost double on the index value. The relative value and time window were both risky. The utilization rate expected to reach theoretical high in the following four weeks, only two to three percent from the high at 91 to 92 percent. Without building more facilities or high blast, there is no way to increase margin, no iron ore consumption, which means,、um, more importantly, we noticed. Uh, scrap value, uh, scrap volume arrivals doubled from last Q1,、uh, from this Q1. Sorry. However, EAF's utilization rate pick up slower in this Q1, which means we would see a cheap scrap price and higher EAF's made steels in Q2, which become competitive to blast made steels in the next three months. Nat, I personally believe that. 
the fundamental and macro sides both indicate iron ore was in a reversal timing and a level here. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, remember to sign up for our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. You've been hearing for more. Have a lovely week.